Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes here today with Pat Abendroth. Pat, how's it going? It's going great. This is episode 27. We're going to talk about things like natural law and related issues. I'm pretty excited to do this. Long time no see, Mike. I know. It's been at least three, three and a half Three, three and a half weeks, yeah. It's been a while. So we've been with you, Pactum Universe, or as one of our listeners says, Pactum Verse. Pact- I kind of like that. Pactum Verse. Uh-huh. Hmm. So I like being a part of not only the Pactum Universe, but I like being a part of the Pactum Verse. <laughs> it's a whole new dimension. It is. <laughs> so we've had episodes come out, but we have not been recording. So right. good to be back in our very plush, very fancy, very high-end yes. studio uh, above and beyond everything else anyone else could have. <laughs> So what have you been up to in those three and a half weeks? It's been vacation time for the Abendroths. So we've had a great time. Went to Colorado for a while, Granby, Colorado, close to Winter Park. Did some mountain biking, did some hiking, uh, that kind of stuff. Great food. I thought I got chased by a bear, but it was only a moose. (laughs) (laughs) Easy to confuse the two of those, right? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So I was on this ride, a 40-mile ride, an hour in, and I haven't seen anyone or anything other than beware of the bear signs. Oh, boy. So, yeah. So I stopped to change my podcast. Uh, I was on top of a big hill an hour in, and I hear, I kid you not, I hear snorting behind me. Oh, sheesh. And I just about, I can't even mention it on the (laughs) podcast, but the prickly arms, the whole deal. As fast as I could, I put my phone away. As fast as I could, I, I got back on my bike to go. And then I hear rustling behind me. Oh, turn no. around and look. And I think it's going to be a bear. And I'm thinking I'm going to be lunch. And uh, it's a big black moose. Oh, so That would have been strange. Uh, I, I, I exhaled. But, but people who are experts in, do you say moose? Uh, Meese? Moose? Moose? Mooses? <laughs> Mooses? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it's moose. Tell me that you should have been just as afraid of, of a moose because oh, they can be aggressive. Oh, so. I wouldn't have guessed. Did you have, bear, did you have the bear repellent? Uh, I had my three eighty in my top two bag, and I know that would just probably that would make, have just made a mess, right? <laughs> I know this. I know enough to know this, but it makes me feel better. It does, right? To know that I'm going to go down trying at least. Oh, that's funny. So, well, that, get some moose repellent for the next trip, I guess. Man, so that was that was exciting. I was glad I made it back alive. And have you had a good summer? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, we did some traveling earlier in the summer. Um, this last month has been uh, just here around town. Uh, I've done some family things over in the Des Moines area with some family. Just had an 85th birthday party for my grandfather. Nice. Uh, so that was great. Uh, fun time doing that. Uh, then preaching, that takes up a lot of my brain power. So uh, I did some preaching one Sunday. That's so right. how'd that go? Let me tell you, the first service was a complete disaster, train wreck, stress beyond stress. Oh, no. And people probably like that one best. Well, I got good feedback, but I thought it was a total bomb. So what happened was on Sunday morning, I got up, I get ready, and I'm running a little bit behind, and I leave to come to the church. Well, I totally forgot there was a triathlon at the <laughs> lake near our house. I hate triathletes. Those Sorry, darn athletes, I tell you. So I'm running a little behind, and the road is closed that I take to get to the church. So I go south one road. It's closed. I go one more. It's closed. I thought, you know what? I can be smarter. I'm going to go north all the way up. It's closed. We're talking, there were 15 minutes until the service started, and I'm trying to get across road Seriously? Closed. Oh, my goodness. It was terrible. So thankfully, finally, a sheriff was blocking one of the roads. He saw me coming, uh, probably heard me. I was going way too fast trying to get here, and he 
waved me through and let me through the road closure. I got to the church five minutes before the service started. If he had not let me through, I was going to have to text another one of the pastors and say, uh, you're up. I'll see you when I get there. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't know about it. It was pure stress. stress just oh, man. It. But I got here, got through the first service. The second service went great. So, But I enjoyed it. It was fun as always. So. Super. I have another date for you, so we'll talk about that Perfect. later. All right. I'll mark the calendar. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we do want to encourage you uh, as you're listening to this episode, if you haven't turned us off already in these first you know, five minutes or so of catching up with Pat and Mike, you're going to want to stick around to the end of this episode because we have... A special announcement just for you, a special Pactum Pactumverse listeners. And Pactumverse people, they, they do stick around. They so do. I don't even think you'd have to say that. You know, but you I know. like it that you're giving everyone a heads up. We yeah. do have a special announcement today. At the end, a special Pactum announcement. Yes. But before we get to our special announcement, let's go back to what we're going to be talking about today on today's episode, natural law. Natural law and such is what and we're such. going to cover. Natural law Things and also such. like general revelation. Yeah. And I suppose we should start with a qualifier, a disclaimer, and that's that neither of us are experts on the topic. Not even close. We're expert in a lot of other things. Oh, yeah. But we're not expert on this topic, and yet, nevertheless, this will be a good introduction, and maybe at a later date, we'll have on the Pactum someone who actually is an expert in such things because we have several, not only several listeners, (laughs) we have several friends, actually theological uh, astute friends who are expert in such things, but we want to have this be a good introduction to kind of whet your appetite regarding natural law. So we have several, (laughs) so we have a number of questions that we want to engage (laughs) with today as we consider this important topic, starting with why talk about natural law and related topics to begin with? Why even be having such a conversation? Well, you know, as you even mentioned natural law, I think, you know, how many people are aware that this is even a thing? How many people have heard of natural law? When was the first time you can remember hearing natural law? Easily within the past five, eight years. Isn't that And I'm pretty sure the first person I ever heard say natural law was Chris Peterson. So from our previous episode. Very popular. Counseling with Chris. Very popular. So I'm, I'm sure it's been within the past five, eight years. So how strange that natural law is biblical, as we will see. It's a part of Christian history and the Reformed tradition, as we will see. And yet I, I didn't hear about it for the longest time. I don't have a great memory, but I don't remember ever hearing about it during seminary, ever hearing about it in my early Christian life. It's only been within recent years I've heard about it, learned about it, and seen its importance. And yet it's part of God's revelation. It actually is really important. It gives us a really important category. So we're going to talk about it today because it's a biblical reality that is important, but is often not seen. It's often overlooked. It's often something that people are ignorant of. It's part of God's revelation. We have special revelation and we have general revelation. Yes. So when I received a solicitation email not too long ago that was quoting a popular evangelical uh, who was speaking, who spoke at a commencement and it said, uh, quoting him, it said, the Bible is the only source of divine truth. Mm. What do you think I thought? Uh, Mike, the mind reader. I think you thought red flag, red flag, foul. The Bible is the only source of divine truth. That's patently false. It sounds good. It sounds pious because the reality is, yes, the Bible is divine truth without question. We're not downplaying that, but there also is divine truth in general revelation. Both are true. Both are biblical. We want to give God glory for both of those realities because as other theologians who've gone before us have said, God's library has two books or Mm. two volumes. Mm. Uh, We have 
general revelation and we have special revelation, both are important, both are significant. When we talk about general revelation, that's when we start getting into this natural law type of speak, right? Yep, yep, that's that's right. Maybe before we go any further, there's a great quotation, I think, that is provocative and helpful, getting us to think about such things, and this comes from Mike Horton. Whatever the scriptures address on any topic is relevant and authoritative, but scripture does not tell us everything we need to know about accounting, politics, cooking, or automotive repair. Although it provides the spectacles through which we interpret all of life, and in many cases quite specific imperatives, Scripture does not even teach us everything we need to know about parenting, running a business, or being a good friend. God directs us to use godly common sense to learn even from secular sources where His common grace endows believers and and unbelievers with wisdom in earthly things. He goes on to say, the center of scripture is Christ, and while it illuminates every aspect of life, it does not address every question in life. When the church transforms the Bible into a manual for every practical issue, its real content, which cannot be found anywhere else, is easily marginalized, as we see all around us today. That's a great quote. Yeah, now all of a sudden, now, now we're cooking with gas. Yeah, yeah, we are. And now we're thinking in terms of, oh, there are questions in life that are important questions that the Bible doesn't explicitly address. Yes. We have to use things like wisdom. Mm-hmm. And this is something uh, that relates to natural law, general revelation, something that everyone has in common, believer and unbeliever, yeah. which is something we can talk a bit more about as we go. Yeah. So maybe as we get started, you know, before we dive too much into some of this and even, you know, looking at some of the stuff Mike Horton talks about in the quote, maybe we start with just, let's back up. What is natural law? One author puts it this way. The idea that God makes known the basic substance of his moral law through the created order itself. The author goes on to say, human beings therefore know this law simply by virtue of being human. Even apart from access to scripture or other forms of special revelation, they know it through their natural capacities as they live in this world. And then we get into the matters of wisdom. So we, we perceive natural law order in creation through things like wisdom and we mature in wisdom. We understand God's created order better. We understand natural law better as we grow in wisdom. Uh, Mike, maybe this helps. This is David Van Drunen in his little book, A Biblical Case for Natural Law, which I find to be helpful. We'll link to it in the show notes and recommend it later. He says this, the term generally refers to the moral order inscribed in the world and especially in human nature, an order that is known to all people through their natural faculties, especially reason and or conscience. So there's something to get ahead of ourselves to look to scripture. Uh, God's law is written on the heart. Right, yeah. So even if you have no special revelation, you actually do have God's law written on your heart. Uh, it relates to issues of conscience. There's a sense in which people know right from wrong. Right, yeah. And they can look at God's creation and his general revelation. So it is revelation, mm-hmm. but it's general. Everyone has it and figure things out how God has made his world and how it's supposed to work and how it's supposed to not work. And so there's real true knowledge from God that comes from general revelation that sometimes we as Christians overlook or discount. And we want to make sure that we're not overlooking it or not discounting it because we should be able to study God's world 
God's creation as those who are made in his image, especially, and to be able to draw right conclusions. So that's what we're talking about, looking at the world around us and being able to draw right conclusions about God and about order and about humanity, about morality, based upon what God has revealed in creation. So natural revelation, we're talking about natural law that relates to that, and it's something that oftentimes we we don't think about. So as you're mentioning this, Pat, and uh, you mentioned Dave Andrew, and I'm kind of thinking, you know, who are some of the, who are the people in play here as we're talking about natural law? Who are some of the friends, foes, those who are supportive of and advocating for natural law, those who may be against it? Maybe you could talk through that a little bit. So as we talk about friends and foes, one, uh, the, the big name that comes out in the Christian tradition, in the history of Christianity, a big name would be Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. Uh, who we would like to affirm for some things and distance ourselves uh, from for other things. But following Aquinas, early reformers would have affirmed even Aquinas' views of natural law, Mm. at least by and large. And so as the reformers had to decide what is biblical, what's not biblical, uh, let's get rid of priestcraft, Mm. but let's keep the Bible. Let's get rid of penance, but let's be sure to keep Trinity, things like that. As they're sorting things out, the reformers didn't say, oh, natural law, that's bad, that's unbiblical, uh, that's popish. Uh, It's not that. They affirmed it. And so Calvin would affirm natural law. Speaking of even as he talked about government, he talked about the common laws of the nations being different from the laws of Israel. Israel when it comes to nations, Mm. interestingly enough. We could talk about the Belgic Confession, which would also come out of the Reformation or be associated with the Reformation. It says this, we know God by two means. First, by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe, since that universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are as letters to make us ponder the invisible things of God, Mm. God's eternal power and divinity. Mm. That's very much natural law yeah, sort of yeah. talk. Uh, Francis Turretin, who, who I like to say is one of my favorites. Yeah. I just wish I could understand what he says. <laughs> it's, it's tough sometimes. <laughs> it, it is tough sometimes. Uh, but in his opening heading, as he so often does, whether there is a natural law and how it differs from the moral law, the former we affirm, the latter we distinguish. Mm. So he is affirming the reality yes. of natural law. Uh, I could quote him at further length, but I won't. Uh, but there's a, there's a big gun, if you will, when it comes to those who would come in the wake of the Reformation. We'll link to this in our show notes, but our friend R. Scott Clark does a great job giving a bunch of resources that definitively demonstrate that natural law is indeed part of the Reformed tradition. Mm, yeah. So that's helpful what he does. In our day, uh, someone who's done a significant job recovering uh, this reality would be David Van Drunen. Yeah. We'll link to his works as well. But he, in our day, he's oftentimes associated with Protestants affirming natural law. Yeah. So those are some of the friends of natural law, maybe some of the foes. Who are we looking out for and who are those who are not proponents of natural law? At least in more recent days. So if we talk about in the 19th and 20th centuries, we could talk about Karl Barth. Uh, so 1886 to 1968 is when he lived. Uh, Karl Barth is no friend or was no friend of biblical Christianity. Right. Uh, and yet he's very influential and lots of people base their theology upon his thinking. Sometimes even sane Protestants were too mm. affected by Karl Barth. Yeah. Uh, but according to one source, I think it 
aptly puts it in these terms, currently the most, this is writing in 1968, currently the most emphatic rejection of natural law ethical systems comes from Karl Barth, the Swiss neo-Orthodox theologian. He has always viewed moral natural law as an example of a false natural theology, a dangerous reliance on human reason, and the unwarranted employment of a merely human philosophy in place of the revealed word of God. Hmm. So Bart at times sounds like he's on your team because he's really stressing grace and he's really stressing uh, God's revelation, hmm. and yet he's denying classic categories that are biblical categories. So he despises it. And following Bart, even though they would say they don't want to follow Bart, uh, a lot of people in the reformed world following Bart as in after him, Mm -hmm. but also following him, perhaps (laughs) even though they wouldn't want to say they are, uh, have rejected natural law, natural theology. Richard Gaffin would be an example of someone whose writings I like in other areas. He says natural theology may have a place in Roman Catholic and Arminian theologies, but not in a theology that would be reformed. Hmm. And that's John Fesco citing him in his book on apologetics. And then getting closer to home in our backgrounds, if we think about those who are biblicists, uh, those who don't pay attention to creeds and confessions, and then we are introduced to Calvinism and the five points of Calvinism and now total depravity, and we somehow think that total depravity means people aren't image bearers anymore, right? and somehow people can't draw any right conclusions. That's very Bardian, even though we would have no idea it's Bardian. Right. So I I would come out of that kind of background. It's also related to fundamentalism because we isolate ourselves from creeds and confessions and we isolate ourselves from not only creeds and confessions, but we isolate ourselves from unbelievers. Mm -hmm. And we have this false notion that we have nothing in common with unbelievers anymore. And now we're, now we're talking about issues of natural law because in reality, when you read those creeds and confessions, which are Calvinistic, which affirm total depravity, even the Synod of Dort would affirm things like natural law. And if anything is going to affirm total depravity, it would be Dort. So friends and foes, uh, the foes oftentimes are people who are Calvinists, but they are ah, confessional. Uh, You and I even had an opportunity to sit down and talk to a pastor, if you recall one time, and he, he was rejecting any kind of natural law because he, he was afraid that it was going to somehow compromise his Calvinism. Mm-hmm. And that, again, that, that just ends up being uh, ahistorical, ah-confessional, because we still have the image. It's yeah. marred, it's corrupted, it's, but it's not gone. Yeah. It's still there. And yep. the Apostle Paul still affirms it when we get to talking about biblical support. Right. So, Pat, we've talked a little bit about what natural law is, who's friends and foes to natural law, and we've hinted at, but we haven't gone there yet, and I'm sure these passages are already kind of ruminating in our listeners' minds, Uh, but let's talk about some biblical support for natural law. Where is it that we see in Scripture a biblical support for what we're talking about, natural law? So taking our cues from Turretin, because we're Turretin fans, he goes to Romans chapter 2 and Romans chapter 1, which are the classic texts. So we should look at Romans 2, maybe as we're as we're going there in our minds uh, with the Pactum verse, as we're going to Romans 2, uh, even think in terms of God holding all nations accountable, for example, in the Old Testament, it's not only Israel that is accountable to God. Everyone is morally accountable to God. Well, based upon what? Based upon his revelation, right. based upon his general revelation, based upon the fact they're image bearers. Right. And we could have example after example of that 
Now let's talk about Romans 2. Do you want to go ahead and read yeah, that text? Romans 2, 14 and 15. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do, they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. Romans 2 is so important for other reasons, and the Apostle—and I love to talk about Romans 2. We won't get into those weeds now. But the Apostle Paul is not saying that the Gentiles do enough good to be justified. Right, right. So that would be another episode where we talk about that. But at times they do the right thing. Yes. The text does say by nature do what the law requires. Yeah. So it is true that Gentiles sometimes obey God and do what the law requires, but they don't have Bibles. Right. Right. Because the law of God as it's inscripturated on the stones using the same kind of verbiage like special revelation, it's inscri- it's actually etched upon, it's actually written upon their hearts. So General revelation, natural law, there's a great example of where it's actually biblical. Just so the Pactum verse doesn't take our word for interpreting chapter 2 of Romans, Turretin says, This could not be said if conscience did not dictate to each one that there is a deity who approves of good actions and disapproves and punishes evil deeds. He goes on to say that the law is not said to be innate, but inscribed, Hmm. known as the law of Moses was made known to the Jews by revelation. And he goes on to say lots of other good things. You'll have to pick up the three volumes and uh, take lots of classes in how to read hard books. (laughs) Slowly work your way through it. I have Uh, a check mark next to each section as I make it through because it is like a major sense of accomplishment. Made it through. Good. Got it. Good, good, good. (laughs) Good. Nice. Also, Romans 1 would be another text. I would start with Romans 2 because I think it's the slam dunk text. Right. Yeah. But maybe we can interact a little bit with Romans 1. Yeah. Romans 1, 18 through 21 says, For the wrath of God... God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. That would be this general revelation we're talking about. It's plain to them. God has shown it to them. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So without excuse, they knew God. Which is typically the emphasis, and it's, it's the right emphasis. The Apostle Paul is showing universal guilt, but sometimes we read that so quickly that we, we conclude that they didn't know God. Right. Because they couldn't know God. Right. Well, actually, it says they knew God. Yes. And so, yes, they're under condemnation. We'll talk about that later in our episode. But for now, let's at least see that God has shown it to them. He didn't show it to Christians. He showed it to everyone. This is universal. That's why we call it general revelation, because it's revealed to everyone. So the truth about God is revealed to everyone. We'll talk about that it's not saving. We'll get to that in a moment. But for now, we're just trying to see they knew God. God made himself known to them in creation. Yeah. Another place we could go for biblical support, we won't spend a lot of time there now because it is so patently obvious, Yes, yeah. and that would be the book of Proverbs. Yeah, wisdom. Yeah. So when you read Proverbs, we have learning from ants. Mm. Well, ants are not special revelation. Right. 
okay? Uh, <laughs> they're part of God's <laughs> creation. And Christians know this, but it's like we turn our ever-loving brains off yeah. and think the only way we can learn things as fundamentalist biblicists yes. is from the Bible, the Bible but only. the Bible tells you to learn from ants. Yeah. And Solomon is, if Solomon's writing about ants, Solomon is not denying the sufficiency <laughs> right. of Scripture. Right. Okay? Uh, scripture is sufficient for something, but it's not sufficient for everything, or he wouldn't tell us about ants. Right. So don't quote me out of context and make me sound like a false teacher, yes. but we should <laughs> learn from both of God's volumes, yeah. volume one, special revelation, volume two, general revelation, and even special revelation tells us to learn from general, general revelation. revelation. So that's why we're talking about natural law, trying to recover it so we can give God all of the glory for both uh, and not shortchange things. Okay. So Mike, I don't know about you, but at this point in time, I, I'm, I'm dragging a little bit. So yes. before we wrap up we're the out of episode, practice. we're out of practice right? and we need some little little pick me it, up. It's true. So I think I want, I don't know if you know this or not, but we are one step closer to having a coffee sponsor. Oh, uh huh. We are. We want a coffee sponsor. Coffee we don't have, right. <laughs> We've heard a lot from our Pactum verse. Yeah. We've heard a lot of input. We've had criticism about our, Taste buds. Have we ever? Uh, we've My had goodness. we've had good counsel. Uh, <laughs> we've had offers of good counsel. We're thankful for all of that. We're an inclusive podcast. <laughs> we'll take it all. But what we really want is a great coffee sponsor. Yeah. We don't have one yet, but we're getting closer. Getting closer. That's good. So we've got some coffee to taste test here today, and it does not have Coke in it. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> so thanks to uh, some of our listeners, friends, and listeners. So Landon and. Kylie sent us there from Columbus. Yes. Yep. I'll digress to say we had a church member who was moving to Columbus. And so I set them up. I gave them the connection to Landon and Kylie. They're good friends. You'll want to look them up. You'll want to reach out to them only to find out that the church member was moving to Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Not Columbus, Nebraska. That's funny. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so thank you, Landon and Kylie, yes. for sending us some Reformed Roasters coffee. Mm. So over, we have two bags here. Yeah. Um, yep. And you, which one do you have? So I have the Total Depravity Blend because men love the dark roast. Reformed Roasters have some good marketing, don't they? Yes. It says, oh, how corrupted was I who loved darkness as black as this roast, being now <laughs> saved by Christ in him alone, I boast. <laughs> nice. And I, I tried that this morning and it, I, I fancy myself. I, yeah, it's intense. I fancy myself as a black coffee Calvinist, uh, crawl over broken glass Calvinist. I'm all in. But I kind of wonder if that borderlines, uh, you know, hyper Calvinism or something Ooh, like really? that, because it was a, it, it was enjoyable. I, 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 it wasn't as dark as some are. I, I did enjoy it. I didn't have to cash you in my to. Calvinism card. <laughs> and yet at the same time, it was a little bit too dark for my taste. Yeah. So I went for the Puritan perk. Uh, it has John Owen's picture on it, and it says, I love this, flavorful undertones so complex nobody can understand them, <laughs> <laughs> which is so fitting for John Owen, that's right? That's funny. So it's, it, I take it as a dark roast, but it's not quite as dark, and that's what we're drinking right now. Let's, uh, okay, here we go. Apart from burning my tongue, it tastes awesome. I that is good. I go for the Puritan Perk. A it little is bit complex. More. So this is Puritan Perk by Reformed Roasters. That's what, good stuff. What's going to happen if we get a coffee sponsor from someone whose coffee we don't like? I don't know. 
We'll just have to lie. We believe in total <laughs> depravity. <laughs> so it'll, it'll, it'll go to the, uh, to the highest bidder, I guess. No, we, we, we want to have integrity. And so if you make great beans, we'll... We'd be glad to taste them. <laughs> we'll taste them. <laughs> so, Mike, I think we need a tie-in to get things going again. What yeah. could the tie-in be between uh, uh, coffee tasting, taste buds? What does the Bible say? What can what? you learn about natural law from coffee? There you go. There, unbelievers can make good coffee, uh, look and at they you. can even look enjoy the you. taste of it and know something about it. Uh-huh, but they don't give God glory for it, right. as they should, mm. but we can give God glory, as we should. There we go. Uh, and yet, more than likely, well, surely Reformed Roasters are believers, yes, though I don't yeah. know them, yeah. uh, but you could, it, it's at least possible to drink a good cup of coffee prepared by an unbeliever. Yes, it is. I, I think it actually is possible. <laughs> Well, let's get back to our discussion on natural law, and we've talked about some biblical support and some of the friends and foes and what natural law is. Maybe let's look now at some historical support for natural law, thinking of the confessions. So we can talk about the confessions right away. This is from the London Baptist Confession, and for those of you who are not Baptistic, hang on, yep, hang got, on yep, to your yep, earbuds, yep. hang on to your ever-loving earbuds. <laughs> ever-loving, um, you've said that twice today. <laughs> be careful, um, because we are going to get to the Westminster Confession. Right. So in, so in chapter one of the London Baptist Confession, it says, the Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience, although the light of nature... Ding, 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 ding. That's works, what we're talking about. Yes, and the That works, wasn't a train. It was no. just me. Okay. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, yet they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and His will, which is necessary unto salvation. So there is the light of nature, and right. it is true revelation. It's yes. not saving, but it is true. Yep. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 1, very similar. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God, as to leave men excusable. I can stop there, but notice it's saying the same thing. There's an affirmation of the light of nature. It has to do with creation, providence, manifesting goodness. And yet if we continue on in the Westminster, it says there are some circumstances concerning the worship of God, the government of the church, common to human actions and societies. Hmm. So common, think yeah. common, think general, common to human actions and societies, which are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian prudence, hmm. according to the general rules of the word, which are always to be observed. But there we have it again, light of nature. It's important. It's significant. Yeah. Uh, it's biblical, but it's also, we're seeing it's historic. It's confessional. And we could uh, check in again with Turretin, where he says, It is even most absurd that the rational creature as rational should not be subject to him, meaning God, in the genus of morals and not be governed by him suitably to his nature. He's talking about moral means by the establishment of a law. Hence, it follows either that man ought to have been created independent by God, which is absurd, or that he has a natural law impressed upon him in accordance with with which he may be ruled by him. So natural law to see otherwise would be absurd because as a created being, he's created and accountable to God. I would add he's made in God's image also. Mm, yep. 
And to save some time here as we're talking about historical support for natural law, uh, we'll again refer you to the list of resources our friend Scott Clark put together, uh, which there's a link in our show notes, so you can go and check that out. Yep, as well. plenty more history. We don't want to beat a dead horse. Right, we don't. Sorry if you're a horse lover. <laughs> So let's continue talking about natural law here, but let's shift a little bit and say, what are the limitations to natural law? We can make this super simple in light of Romans chapter one. Uh, the limitations would be it, it's not saving. Yes. So right. you, you cannot be saved based upon natural law. You have to hear the gospel. You have to hear the word of God, special revelation, the truth about Jesus Christ. And so it renders us without excuse. So right. when we're talking about natural theology, we're not talking about it in the sense that you can come to know God savingly right. uh, as a son or daughter of Adam. Right. Uh, that would not be true. Right. But you can know things about God. Even as an unbeliever, you cannot be saved and know him savingly. Uh, and this is the, the good and fine and biblical balance that confessions capture. And so let's, let's understand what we're saying and what we're not saying. It is true. You cannot be saved by natural theology. And yet at the same time, uh, it is good. It is important. It is something that the Bible itself, special revelation, appeals to. We were just talking about Proverbs. Right. And so I don't think we need to belabor that point. It cannot save. Natural revelation cannot save. Uh, how will they believe without a preacher? Right. They can't believe without a preacher. And so Romans 10 would also be a good complementary text. Right. So, so you're not going to come to a saving faith just on your own by thinking these things up or by going out and seeing nature and seeing God's power on display. You're not going to come to a saving knowledge just by witnessing those things. It will only and always and ever render you without excuse. Right. It yep. is why we have the Great Commission. Yes. So don't make, if you, if you don't like natural law, don't make us say something we're not saying. Right. And don't make the reformers and the confession say something they were not saying. Right. Uh, but both are true. Both are legitimate. But natural is not saving. Let's move on to the next question. And that is, what, what, what's the benefit? Why is this important? Why even be talking about this? Why try to recover this? Why did the reformers definitely hold on to it? Mm -hmm. And I think we could give some rapid fire bullet point answers as to why. Why is this significant, Mike? Right. Well, as you mentioned earlier in the episode, the Christians should pay attention to both books of the in the divine library as it were uh special revelation of god and general revelation and we we'd encourage christians to pay attention to both of those things not just special revelation only the bible biblicists we want us to pay attention to both. Yeah, give God, and that way you can give God glory for both. Yes. So it, what an insult to ignore his general general revelation. We don't want to do that. We want to appeal to it, see it for what it is, give him glory. So that makes sense. Another reason we'd want to talk about this that makes it very useful is because it, it's simply disingenuous hmm. to pretend like the Bible has the answers to every question in life. Yeah. It's a common slogan. People mean well. If you've said it before, we're not trying to insult you. We're right. trying to help bring you along. Right. But the Bible does not answer every question about everything in life. It answers the most important one. Yeah. Uh, and everything it says is true. But there are so many things that we learn from observing. Yeah. from trial and error and, and observing and trial and error as to how God made his universe to work. Yeah. And so we look beyond scripture for that. And in no way is that compromising what the reformers meant by the sufficiency of scripture. Yeah. And I think this goes to the point where a lot of people are looking uh, at the Bible as their, their guidebook or handbook to the life, to their life. 
and they want to go to the scriptures if they have a question about any and everything. And what do they end up missing? They're they're missing that the Bible is a book about redemption, about Christ. First and foremost, yeah. it may talk about other things and everything it talks about is true, but yet first and foremost, the Bible is not an answer book to all of the questions of life. How foolish, how disingenuous, yeah. even how short-sighted, even though it sounds good on a bumper sticker, perhaps the Bible's about redemption. And so this is fascinating, Mike, how, how this conversation relates to to biblicism mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden we're making the bible not first and foremost about christ we're answering all of your questions about life and we hear all kinds of sermons like this yeah and maybe 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 one reason is because we don't have a category for natural law yeah we don't have permission if you will from special revelation even though it's there to look to general revelation to learn a lot of things right yeah if we're honest, we learn from unbelievers all of the time. Those who've gone before us, those who are our contemporaries about all sorts of issues. And now we can also understand how they can be good at things, sometimes better than Christians. Right. Because they're image bearers, because if they're good at paying attention to how the world works, they're going to come to good conclusions as God intended. Not everyone does. Not all Christians do. Not everyone follows common sense according to natural law, but it leads to disastrous things. Mm -hmm. Maybe one more important point of usefulness would be if it's general tied to general revelation, this is, this provides a unity for all people. So this is something that believer and unbeliever could potentially agree to mm -hmm. uh, because it has to do with the created order. It has to do with uh, being image bearers. And so there, there's a sense in which it provides a category for us for unity with unbelievers. We even appeal to unbelievers to look to God's creation as to how things should work and how they shouldn't work. That doesn't mean we don't talk to them about special revelation. Right. It doesn't mean we don't preach the law and the gospel to them. But there also is this point of commonality that we have. Uh, it's not entirely common because we give, give God glory for it, and yet there is a point of commonality. Right. And in the in-between time, before we're in the New Jerusalem, this actually becomes an important thing. Yeah, yep. So, Pat, as we're sitting here talking about all of these things, the usefulness of it, uh, how good it is that we would pay attention to both special revelation and general revelation, we're talking about natural law. Why is it that we've never heard of this? Why is it that we've never talked about it? Why have I never known about it? Well, maybe because you've never had coffee from Reformed Grocers. <laughs> That's probably it. So it's kicking I've never in. had the John Owen blend, right? There you, there you go. The Puritan perk the is Purit perking up your senses. Yeah. Mike, I'm with you. I think it's kind of tragic that this is new to so many. It's new to us. Uh, again, that's why we don't claim to be experts in it. But I, I suppose there are multiple reasons. But in my mind, what really stands out is the fact that so many times we as evangelical Christians are ahistoric, we're ahconfessional, mm. uh, and we think sola scriptura means something it doesn't actually mean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm thankful that we affirm sola scriptura, that scripture alone is right. God's special revelation. Right. But even what I just said there is nuanced. Yes. Sola scriptura, scripture alone, 
what, what is meant by that is the sufficiency of scripture, yes, by the Protestant reformers. But what they didn't mean was it's, it's God's only revelation. Right. They're saying it's God's only special revelation. They're saying no new revelation as in the new revelation that the Pope claims. Right. Yes. So it is sufficient for life and godliness, but even those have to do with you knowing God and honoring God and obeying yes, God. Yeah, yeah. There never were they saying that there's no category for natural revelation right. or natural law, right. but we are, I'll just claim it for myself. I have been historically ignorant, confessionally ignorant, yeah. uh, too wrapped up and led by those who are uh, fundamentalists, at least in their background. And now finally, it's taken a while, you read the Bible, special revelation, and you see it affirms right. general revelation. Right. And you have the aha moment that's right. helped by Puritan Perk, right? Yes, absolutely. I, I liked what T. David Gordon said in his article about the insufficiency of Scripture mm. that caused no small a bit of amount of, the of trouble <laughs> uh, when it was published in Modern Reformation. Uh, he says, Solomon promotes listening to parents, elders, a variety of counselors, and even a consideration of ants, badgers, locusts, and lizards. <laughs> <laughs> referencing Proverbs chapter 30. So, uh, of course, it, it's right there in the Bible that we are are supposed to pay attention to general revelation. Yeah. And yet, for a long time, I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I did it. Sure, yeah. Because we don't act consistent with our theology. Right, yeah. We yeah. were paying attention, but we, we were thinking that the sufficiency of Scripture was something uh, that it actually wasn't. Right, and the categories weren't there. The ca category. Category, category, category. Yep. Yep. And so... It, not to, not to mention the fact that we're ignorant of what it means to be made in God's image. Right. We end up being Bardian and thinking somehow the image is gone, yeah. uh, even though it's not. It's marred, it's corrupted, but it is still there. So in my opinion, that's why we've been missing this. Uh, it's been under our noses all along. It's been in our practice, at least in part, all along. But it's good to now recover it in a good, clear, robust sort of way. Yeah. How about moving on to resources, and then we can wrap up with a special, special super Gnostic <laughs> announcement. Uh, uh, an announcement. Yeah. Well, some resources uh, that we can highlight. We mentioned uh, Dave Andrunen earlier in the episode, and he has uh, a book called A Biblical Case for Natural Law. We'll link to that in the show notes. Also, he has a newer work. Uh, I think it's his newest one that's out, and it's Politics After Christendom, and especially Chapter 5, uh, when we're talking about natural law, is a super helpful resource. Another helpful resource is from J.V. Fesco in his book called Reforming Apologetics. I realize that that has triggered some of our listeners and they haven't been thrilled about <laughs> getting poked in the eye. Um, but he deals with natural law and he does so in a historic way, in a biblical way that is really quite helpful. So uh, I would also suggest that we can put it in the show notes. Uh, there's also an article on the insufficiency of scripture. Yeah. <laughs> we say with smiles on our faces by T. David Gordon. We can link to that. And then as we mentioned earlier, Heidelblog, uh, has some great stuff when it comes to natural law. Yep. Make sure to look for all of those links in our show notes for today's episode. And now we've come to the part of the episode you've all been waiting for, the special <laughs> announcement. 
And the special announcement is that Omaha Bible Church is hosting a conference this fall, and the Pactum will be there. We'll be doing some interviews, and we'd love to have you join us as well. The conference is going to be called Our Triune God, and it will be October 8 and 9. So that's a Friday night and a Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. Speakers include Matthew Barrett, author of Simply Trinity, J.V. Fesco, author of The Trinity and the Covenant of Redemption, i.e. the Pactum, Mm -hmm. and also Mike Abendroth, my older, wiser brother, host of No Compromise Radio, author of Evangelical White Lies. So we would love to have you. We'd love to meet you, uh, whether you're local or somewhere else. It'll be a great weekend. And we have a special discount code for Pactum listeners. (laughs) And so... (laughs) The special discount code. So what's the discount code that they need to enter, Mike? You need to enter the code Pactum Freedom. Ooh, Pactum yeah, Freedom. Pactum Make sure freedom. you enter that code. Make sure you enter that code, and you will get in for free. For free. For free. I think we should maybe give half off, because everybody already gets in for free. Okay, we'll give half off of your free registration. <laughs> <laughs> if you enter Pactum Freedom, that's funny. <laughs> but you can be looking for that registration to be going up in mid to late August. Okay, so where, where's that going to be? It's going to be on the Omaha Bible Church website, omahabiblechurch.org. Look for that registration link in mid to late August. So if you're listening to this and you want to jump on and find it, you're not going to find anything. It's okay. It's coming. So the conference is October 8 and 9, and the registration will be going up in mid to late August, and we'll make sure to let you know when that's up and live so you can get signed up and enter Pactum Freedom for half off your free registration. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for being part of the Pactum Verse, and we will see you next time on the Pactum. Pactum.